Welcome, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Doula to Doula, where we talk about pregnancy, birth, motherhood, and the doula life. I'm Exie Bueller, a certified labor and birth doula and childbirth educator. I'm also a licensed and board certified massage therapist and owner of Tranquil Touch Birth and Women's Wellness. My co-host is Chana Vaughn. Together, we're going to help each other grow, give each other support, and see how we apply our doula skills to everyday life. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Chana, how you doing? Hi, Exy, doing well. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Long time no see. It has been yes. <laughs> a year already and it's only March. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> yes, yes, it, ha- it has been a while. I am so excited though. The timing couldn't be more perfect because March is when World Doula Week happens. It's coming up. Hopefully we'll get this episode edited and posted with a couple of days to spare. World Doula Day is March 22 of this year. It goes until March 28th. So World Doula Week was originated by a well-known doula organization. And the purpose, as stated on worlddoulaweek.com, is to empower doulas all over the world to improve the physiological, social, emotional, and psychological health of women, newborns, and families in birth and in the postpartum period, which, of course, we love, right? Yes, we do. And I love how it's all encompassing. It's taking all of the aspects of what happens to a birthing parent and a non-birthing parent, really, when a new baby comes into their lives. For our listeners, why don't we just really quick give an overview of what a doula is? Mm -hmm. Do you want to share that? Sure. So doula, that will be a trained non-medical professional who provides support for people doing during significant health related experiences. Most people who are familiar with the term doulas understand it in the context of supporting women or families during pregnancy, childbirth, or the postpartum period. Yeah. So that's, and when you talk about World Doula Week, that's really what it's talking about is that season of life that people experience. And the term doula is interesting. It is a Greek term. There's some discussions you can find about, (laughs) you know, the use of that Greek word in a Western society. And we're not going to really comment on that. We're just going to hit the facts here. Dana Raphael wrote an anthropological study in 1969, where the term doula was first used. And it's been increasingly become more well-known in terms of professional support for labor and birth, really during the last two to three decades. But Other people might hear the term doula and think of a different type of support. And I think even though it's not part of World Doula Week, I think it's really good for us to just visit two of the most commonly newly emerging types of doulas that people are starting to be aware of as a place to to begin before we delve into what we love, which is pregnancy and birth. So the first type of doula is a death doula. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the purpose of a death doula is to support people at the end of their lives or family members enduring grief. So they also promote physical comfort for the dying person and encourage exploration of the complex emotions and processing the experience. So is that what hospice workers do? Are they the same thing? 
No, they are not the same. A hospice worker is more focused around the medical aspect of the situation, where a death doula is focused more on the emotions and navigating through and processing the experience. Okay. And so what what kind of training, if any, does is out there for somebody who wants, you and I have both experienced loss. Mm-hmm. And you and I have also um, experienced the loss of loved ones for many of our friends and family members. So we've probably got a little bit more experience in dealing with the business end of death, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, the planning mm-hmm. of what to do afterwards. Right. Then a lot of people do. So is there special training? Yeah, so there's lots of training organizations that provide training specifically for um, death doulas. There's actually the International End of Life Doula Association, and we can post the link maybe in the no- the comments or mm-hmm. for all of our listeners to kind of take a glance and see. Um, but also, just to mention, death doulas, they may work in conjunction with hospice programs. And as we know, usually in a medical setting, the more training that you have, um, the better. So there are definitely lots of training programs that people can look into that can provide specifics on how to become certified as a death doula. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I know when my family experienced the tragedy of losing my sister, my parents had no idea how to plan a funeral. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of navigated that for them. And my dad actually made the comment that I should do that professionally because he felt like a relief that somebody else was helping to make all of those decisions. So while that's not what I wanted to be doing in that stage of my life, I was very happy to be able to know what steps to take. So I I can see where this would be a very beneficial thing for families to have. So what kind of a need, I mean, that's like what my personal experience is. What about the general population? Yeah, I think your personal experience probably aligns pretty closely to what the general population may be going through, especially when you look at the pandemic. And early on, families were forced to stay separated during these heartbreaking experiences and losses just because they needed to keep each other safe. So having a death doula or someone, as you said, to help navigate through those planning stages or really have someone to kind of lean on that is not experiencing the grief at the same level as you are, that can really help to provide a different balance there. And there's also growing recognition that more and more people are dying alone, which breaks my heart um, due to lack of family or distance from family members. We all got used to being, you know, kind of on a screen for a long period of time. And it, it can be really difficult to provide the level of comfort to someone through a screen that you would like to. So many people facing the death of a loved one have little or no experience planning or preparing for the event. And they benefit from having someone who can help them navigate the process as well as, as their grief. And we both know how important that is. Yeah, well, here's a shout out to all the death doulas out there. If they are Mm -hmm. listening to us, the work that you do is remarkable. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that the families that benefit from your support really feel the difference that is made in their, their lives at that very, very crucial time. So absolutely. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. 
the next doula that we're going to talk about is kind of a, a doula who bridges between, I think, that type of a doula and the pregnancy and birth doulas, and that's a bereavement doula. That's specific for somebody who's experiencing pregnancy loss. So this might be in the context of miscarriage or stillbirth, infant loss, or even the grief that's involved with having a baby in the NICU. People don't realize, I think, that there is a grieving process when your baby is born in need of that level of support. And Mm -hmm. it can be very lonely, I think, for new parents to get discharged from the hospital, knowing that their baby is still there and having to go back and forth. And there's a lot of decisions and procedures and things that need to be made in these situations, in these -hmm. these loss or NICU types of situations. And in terms of loss, a bereavement doula can be a vital support to help navigating through the decisions or procedures and options that are available for memorializing or remembering your baby, no matter at what stage you experience a loss. As soon as you see that pregnancy test come back positive, that is a baby for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I don't want to speak too much out of turn, but you've expressed in previous episodes that you were in this situation yourself Did you have a bereavement doula or somebody who helped you through that process? I wish I did. I did not. I had kind of like there were a lot of blogs that I was following. So being able to read other people's journey made me realize that it was something a little bit more normal than what I had thought. I, I always thought early on, I thought that there was something wrong with me or maybe I don't have the ability to carry a baby and to create life. And then there were comments from other people that they were unintentionally hurtful. Like, oh, at least it happened early on as if that somehow made it less of a loss. And then I felt like, well, maybe these strong emotions that I'm feeling, maybe I shouldn't have been feeling them. But over time learning that, like you said, the moment you find out that you are going to be a parent, uh, there's not a, like a mental shift that happens. And then when that journey does not come to fruition, there's a mourning of what could have been. And that is something that needs care and needs support. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because it's so, it's a lot more common than people realize, mm-hmm. you know, the, the officially accepted statistic is that one in four pregnancies is lost to miscarriage. And there was a CDC report that came out last year regarding stillbirth that it's about 0.59%. When they looked at a couple of other samples, it's a little bit higher since the pandemic began. But the the research regarding the effects of COVID on that type of pregnancy loss is, is ongoing. So we don't know really where we stand as far as that goes, but we know that it There are a lot of listeners right now who have experienced a pregnancy loss of some type or know somebody who has experienced a pregnancy loss of some type who maybe would would have benefited, like you said, from having somebody there who is specially trained to help you navigate that process. Bereavement doulas are birth doulas. A lot of them our birth doulas who then go on to receive specialized training in the bereavement process. And there are Mm -hmm. lots of different organizations out there that do that. And 
you could even bring in a bereavement doula who can help you if your your baby has been diagnosed in utero with a condition that hard choices are going to need to be made. They're very beneficial. Nobody should have to go through that experience feeling alone. Just like we feel like no one should have to birth alone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of support that is required and, and really that is needed when you're also in some of these other delicate situations. So I'm really happy to have learned more myself about death doulas and bereavement doulas and being able to take that knowledge and share it so that those who may be going through things, although we wish we don't wish any bad situations on anyone, but it is nice to be able to reach into our tool belt and kind of help to provide pathways for support. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate all of our listeners hearing us through that little bit of, of the sadder part of doula work, because I still think that it is a, a very vital form of support that people need. It, these are life, significant life experiences mm-hmm. that having somebody who's objective and compassionate and caring can help us through. Now let's talk about what we love, the joyous part of being doulas, and the reason why we are so excited to celebrate World Doula Week, which is birth and postpartum doulas. I just had the pleasure of welcoming another baby into the world. That baby is just a couple of weeks old and doing really, really well. It was another birth where I was supporting virtually. So even though things have relaxed in our area and in the areas in which our listeners might be listening, their facilities may also have relaxed some of the restrictions. But what I'd like to highlight is for that birth, this particular client wanted both her husband and her mother in the room, Hmm. but they felt that they would work best as a team if they had a connection to me as their doula virtually. They had two was the maximum number of support people that could be in the room. Oh, okay being virtually able to support them as as a third member of the birth team was really really special to me so all of you out there who are listening and thinking it's got to be one or the other there are lots of ways that we can work it so you can have all the people yes and I'm so glad you highlighted that because that's one of the number one questions that I get from people who are aware that I am a doula they're like oh well you know, what if people have to decide between, you know, their partner and their support person and the doula? And it's always so great to say they don't have to. <laughs> we right. have virtual options. There's ways around it. It's not how uh, things have changed so much. The pandemic, although it's been a difficult time for for pretty much everyone, we have been able to find ways to work around a lot of those complex situations. So that's super exciting, XE. Congratulations on another baby (laughs) under your belt. (laughs) That's fantastic. Every everyone is special. Um, but I I am starting to think that my pandemic babies are gonna have a special file in my in my brain and in my heart for the rest of my life because boy, have we learned a lot in that way. Yes, we have. (laughs) So obviously, like we talked about, the purpose of a birth doula is helping to support people through their pregnancy, through their labor and their birth. We, We don't have to just be there at the end of a pregnancy. It's funny because I get two types of inquiries. I get ones that say, I think it's too soon for me to ask for a doula, but I know how 
busy you get. And I don't, I, I want to make sure I get on your calendar. And then I have ones who are like, I'm 36 weeks. I think it's too late. <laughs> and my answer is it's neither ever too early or too late to hire a birth doula. I have even signed paperwork in the laboring room with people <laughs> wow. because they were undecided until that day. Mm-hmm. And once they got there, they realized we are not ready to do this alone. Right. That support. So when it happens earlier in pregnancy, one of the benefits is that when somebody is going to their provider's appointments, a lot of times those appointments are short. Mm-hmm. They're like, yes. if it's an OB, it's what, 15 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Around that. I remember going to the appointment, driving there, having my list of questions, go to get to the appointment, see my provider. And then next thing I know, I'm in the car driving home and I still have my list of questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so when you have a doula and it's early in pregnancy, you can send a message to that doula saying, okay, this is what ha- just happened at my appointment. And these are the questions I forgot to ask. Mm-hmm. Because a yep. lot Instead of, of time, relying on Google. <laughs> oh yeah, we we've discussed Google. What, what did Google you call University? Google? <laughs> yes, the 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 rises and pitfalls of Google University. <laughs> Clients of Tranquil Touch are able to actually have a journal that they can just submit. This is the appointment I went to. These were the labs. These were the whatevers. And this is what I talked to my doctor about. And that way it's all right there when it's fresh in their mind and there's not this kind of back and forth. But also, you know, if clients do have a question, they can call or text or send a message to the portal and say, I'm not quite sure this is what my doctor said. And I don't really know what this means or the more I think about this. Or I, I told my mother what happened at my doctor's appointment and she said, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me what to believe and what not to believe. And that's right. where, where we can be very helpful throughout pregnancy. And then of course, mm-hmm. in labor and birth, we can help, especially when you've never experienced it before. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, especially with their first babies, I know for me, I was like, how am I going to know I'm in labor? Right. What if I, what if I don't know I'm in labor? Right. You know, what if it starts and then it stops? What if, you know, all the questions that, that, yeah, that are natural to have as a first time birthing person. (laughs) Right. Right. And those are questions that usually you don't want, even if you have the most amazing OB or midwife in the world, those are questions that you don't really feel like you can pull the trigger on asking, Mm -hmm. but you can do that with your doula. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the freedom of receiving the questions that are hard to ask or difficult to ask, or maybe even a little bit embarrassing to ask Mm -hmm. to that person, not to me, not to us, obviously, nothing is too embarrassing to ask us for them. But, you know, it's being the knowing that our clients can rely on us in a way that they feel that makes them feel comfortable and they can open up and then we can really at times have more information than anyone else on their care team which we take great pride in, in being the vessel for that information. 
Yeah. You know, one of my, one of my kind of my cliche comments to my clients who are birthing babies in this existence, the time of human existence, where we have mm-hmm. all of this information at our fingertips. Too much information. <laughs> it's too much. It's mm-hmm. too much. And so we help to kind of break through all of that noise. And a lot of that noise is either anecdotal, Mm -hmm. which means it hasn't been properly researched. It's just like telling someone, if you eat a lot of pineapple, you know, you'll have, you'll go into labor, which Mm -hmm. maybe 10 people had a lot of pineapple and went into labor. That doesn't, you know, if it was that easy, then all of the OBs would be prescribing pineapple. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So there's the anecdotal information. Mm -hmm. And then there's research information, which can be too much. Mm -hmm. It can be hard to interpret. You don't know which studies are well done. Right. Because there are studies out there that are not well done. Mm -hmm. And so you just don't know a lot of times whether or not the information that you do have at your fingertips is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. Right. That's one of the things I love about the work that we do because every single pregnancy is different. Mm -hmm. The human Mm -hmm. body has so many variations and every, even if it's the same birthing person, that baby is a different person every single pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So I just love it because it's never the same. Nope, never. It's never the same. Even when, Especially not when you think it's going to be the same. Then it's really different. Right. <laughs> you were the third baby, that wild yes. card baby. Yes. yes For all of you listening, the first baby, you just don't know what to expect. The second baby, you're kind of like, okay, I get it. The third baby's just a wild card. You yep. can't predict what that baby's going to do, so... We love Not the at all. babies, though. We, we They're do. so much fun. They're so much fun because it's just like, yeah, it, it's a surprise. They keep us <laughs> on our time. toes. <laughs> they definitely keep us on our toes. As far as training goes, oh my goodness, there are so many birth doula trainings out there and and more seem to pop By up. By the day. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, again, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the effects of the pandemic on the, you know, the attention being given to death doulas. I think the pandemic also raised the attention of the support that birth doulas can give. And I think that that might be a contributing factor to some of these new and emerging training organizations out there. Some of them are really great. Mm -hmm. Some of them only cover the basics. Mm -hmm. I think if somebody is looking to become a birth doula, one of the most important questions is, how do you feel about birth? Mm -hmm. What is your philosophy? Because if you just go with this organization because they're the biggest, or this organization because this is who everybody you know has gone with, or this organization because that's who your doula trained with, it might not be a good match. If your philosophy about birth is different. Absolutely. And it's great to have a program that aligns with your, with your vision, with your belief system. I mean, of course we all want to have a little bit of open-mindedness when it comes to certain things. But when I was searching for a program, I just really wanted it to tug at my heartstrings in a way that, that made me feel compelled to go through them. And I also know that I'm the type of person that loves support. So I want it to feel supported throughout the course of my studying. 
and I also am not the type of person that all, always absorbs information uh, the fastest. <laughs> so I didn't think that a, just a, like a weekend sort of certification would benefit me. I needed resources. I needed a website I could go back to and pull from. I needed some books that I could read and some case studies. And then I wanted to also be able to do some independent research and see how that aligned with my training program. And thankfully, I found one that worked amazingly well for me. I still refer to all of the materials and I love the support system that I have from them. And I would go back to them time and time again for every other certification that they offer just because it was so wonderful for me. But it is really hard when you are an aspiring doula and you're trying to figure out where to go because there's so many different ones. And I remember seeing an article online on one of, I believe it was one of the news websites, and they were highlighting that the doula request was in high demand in the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, all of like my friends were like, oh, yeah, that's what you're doing. It just brought awareness in a different way. But unfortunately, not all doula programs are created equally. So you really have to do your research. Right, right. And I have been certified by two different organizations. I've become familiar with a a number of other organizations out there just because I've been in this work for so long and gotten to know some other birth professionals in in the area. You want to look at things like you said, is it, do I need just a weekend class? What are my needs? Or would I benefit from something that's self-paced and gives me freedom of length of time? You know, is there a limit to when I need to finish? I think another good question to ask And this was one of the things that for me became important and why I ended up going through a second organization is the recertification requirements. Because as a massage therapist, I have recertification requirements. I have continuing Mm -hmm. education that I have to do for both my licensing and my professional organizations. And it was getting to the point where I felt like every so many years I was drowning in paperwork and drowning in certification, you know, CEUs and all that I was focused on was meeting these requirements for each of my passions. And I was losing the ability to enjoy my passions Mm -hmm. at those times. And so I needed to find a doula organization that would allow me to become certified and stay certified without having to keep going and repeating the process over and over again, just to free Mm -hmm. up my own life. Yes. And when you're passionate about something, you naturally want to keep learning about it. So being able to go back to certain um, modules that were of interest to me, or let me take a deeper dive into this. Okay, I want to look a little bit further into this situation or that situation or have a client that has really specific needs that I may want to freshen, refreshen my memory or, you know, even develop a deeper knowledge. Being able to do that has been absolutely amazing for me because, like I said, when you have the passion, the desire to learn and to, to continue to educate yourself usually comes naturally. But as a mom with two kids working a full-time corporate job, if I had to keep doing CEUs or something like that, that my candle would go out very quickly. (laughs) It would be, my fire would be distinguished very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. I did it every three years for a number of times. And it, it, it finally got to the point. And that's really what spurred me to become a childbirth educator. It wasn't because I had this like enormous 
desire to, you know, expand that way. Although I am forever grateful that that is what ended up happening. But I was like, I have done all of the recertification requirements, some of them two times over. The only thing left for me to do for this recertification is to become a childbirth educator. And then in another few years, I'm going to have to find something else to do on this list Mm -hmm. or do again in order to qualify for recertification again. So that was kind that, that I think that that's a really important thing for people to look at when they are investing in a training. The is the philosophy and the training organizations requirements do those fit you and do those fit your lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The other thing I think too to consider is what are their certification requirements for birth? Because some of the organization's requirements might be more challenging to meet than others. It may require more than just attending a birth. You may have to attend a certain type of birth. You may have to have certain paperwork that gets signed or confirmed or, you know, whatever the case might be. So that's another thing I think people, when you're wanting to get into this work that you, you need to add to your list of things to look at when you're evaluating training organizations. Absolutely. Looking at my certifying births, it would have been really hard to meet a certain criteria because they were all so unique in their own way. And then I would have, I'm wondering what I would have felt at that moment when I'm there to attend a birth for my certification and it didn't meet the criteria. I mean, that's a really heavy load to put on some someone and it's just really interesting to me. So I'm really happy with yeah. my training experience and I, I absolutely love it. I recommend it to people personally, but I think yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we've kind of covered the need, right? That the need for birth doulas has become more obvious during mm-hmm. the pandemic time period. Oh, so sure. Um, And birth doulas, we really do educate our clients a lot through their pregnancy. And then of course, what, what their options and choices might be during labor and birth. And that is, that does not take away though, from the need, or I should say, you know, doulas do not take the place of medical providers. Not at all. Birth doulas do not take the place of childbirth educators either. All the childbirth educators out there, that is a whole nother level of training. Mm-hmm. And understanding how to teach adult learners is something that most people don't understand. Mm-hmm. There's a specific way that adults learn that is very different than children. So birth doulas are great. Obviously, we love being doulas. But one of the reasons why I am so grateful that I did need to become a childbirth educator to keep that doula certification with that previous organization is because I realized pretty early in my career that educating clients was requiring a lot more of me than what my doula training had provided Mm -hmm. the foundation for. So um, shout out to the childbirth educators out there for any organization. If you're teaching pregnant, (laughs) pregnant and birthing people, then kudos to you because that is a whole nother specialty. (laughs) For sure. And it definitely deserves a lot of respect. (laughs) If a childbirth educator does their job really, really well, then it makes the doula's job in the birthing room, in the movement. A lot easier. Yeah. Because the client's. (laughs) should have already been aware, especially in a hospital setting. It it might be very different in a home birth setting or a birth center setting, but in a hospital setting, it's very difficult to teach 
a laboring person about the interventions that the medical staff is per, is recommending or you know presenting to them if they've never heard of it before. Right. And birth doulas, if a client is hiring you at 36, 37 weeks, you may not have as much time to help them appreciate all of those possibilities. Mm-hmm. But a childbirth educator, that's their job. Get into the right. nitty gritty mm-hmm. and explain it all when you're in a calm, comfortable environment. You're not in labor. Yeah. Yes, it's really hard to explain interventions to someone while they're in labor, especially when there is a time crunch, as there typically is to make decisions before certain interventions. So to all of my expecting people out there, please, please, please take a childbirth education class. It will help you. It will help your doula. It will help your experience. Highly recommend. Yes, and to all the birth doulas out there who are not dual trained as childbirth educators, please, please do not feel slighted. Your job is so special in that birthing Mm -hmm. room, but recommend your clients take a class. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it will help. It will enhance your ability to give them support that meets their needs in that moment Mm -hmm. if they've taken a class and you can then build off of that foundation. So yeah, birth doulas. We love ourselves. Yes, we do. (laughs) Is that okay to say? It has to be okay to say. (laughs) Okay. The last type of doula we're going to talk about today is postpartum doulas. How much experience do you have with postpartum doula work? Not really official because I am not a postpartum doula. I'm not certified as a postpartum doula, but I have to say from personal experience, having birthed my own, made my own people, I'm their leader. There's a cute like little um, TikTok or something about making people (laughs) and being their leader. Uh, I just know after the birth, it's, it's like a delicate time. And there are some needs. Your body is healing. You're adjusting to this person that you created. The person that you created is is adjusting to life outside of the womb. And there's a lot of room for care there for nurturing yourself, nurturing your baby. And there's also, I think on social media, there was a woman that was justifying why she hired a postpartum doula. And the postpartum doula was spending the night and was like making bottles and she was able to take a bubble bath and relax and just reading kind of like some of the comments on it was so interesting because there were a lot of people that were for it and a lot of people that were against it. But the common theme for those for and against was that some sort of support is necessary, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I have to agree. I did not have any support after I had my either one of my children because I didn't have any family really that could help me and I didn't I didn't know what a doula was I had no idea it was a thing (laughs) and I have to say that I wish I had I I wish I had oh for sure so your body requires so much in just in recovery itself if you Mm -hmm. think about it taking the whole baby part out of it just imagining what a person's body goes through whether it's a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth, you have healing that is required, physical healing. Anything Mm -hmm. that has happened that has kind of surprised you and and kind of knocked you off your game physically, you need some recovery time. And most of us are like, oh, you're not feeling well. You sprained your ankle, sit down, put your foot up, Mm -hmm. rest, Mm -hmm. let me make dinner for you. Mm -hmm. We have no qualms about doing that in those situations, but 
for some reason, somebody has a baby and it's like, okay, now you have to be ready to host all of your friends and family members who now want to come see your baby while you're bleeding vaginally Mm -hmm. and or healing from a cesarean Mm -hmm. and trying to make milk if you're breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or chest feeding and trying to just be able to pee and poop again. Right. Perry bottles and (laughs) all sorts of all the joys that come from giving birth. (laughs) It's just, it's insane. I did not have a postpartum doula. My sister made some freezer meals for me. And I thought that was so amazing. Like just that, not to say just, but on even on that scale, I thought, oh, this is so nice having something to heat up while my husband was back to work because he had to go back to work very quickly after we were discharged from the hospital. And I'm like, oh, I wish. I, that is the one thing. If I could turn back the hands of time, I would have had a birth doula and I would have had a postpartum doula. And I think maybe my, not just my physical health, but I think my emotional health would have been so much better. I know it would have been so much better. Yeah. And that, you know what, that's, that's actually a great introduction to what I wanted to say to kind of wrap this all up. So I actually started training with um, Postpartum Support International. I'm taking their perinatal mental health training. And (laughs) it's it's my next dream. Um, And I, I have to say that what is becoming more and more evident is that your providers may not be with you enough to recognize when you are emotionally having difficulty coping. I think that in our society, in our culture, we are very motivated by the can do it spirit. Oh, for sure. And that can be very toxic to new parents Mm -hmm. because if you start to feel like you're having difficulty being able to say, I can do it, then there's something wrong with you. When in reality, what's wrong is that we're trying to do this alone. Mm -hmm. We are not in social media makes okay. things uh <laughs> yeah social that's... media is like the smoke and mirrors you know it's just like uh, the, everyone's highlight reel so then when you're having a moment that is not highlight worthy you're second guessing yourself instead of realizing that you know there are life can be challenging giving birth can be challenging recovering can be challenging right right you birth doulas and you postpartum doulas you are really the front line, the ones who can really catch these perinatal mood and anxiety disorders at the very beginning. They can start up in pregnancy. And if you are working with clients during pregnancy, then you can start to see or hear phrases that indicate that they are having difficulty coping with whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that that person is developing a diagnosable you know, mood and anxiety disorder, but it means they need help. They need support. They need some questions to be asked so that their needs can be met. And birth Mm -hmm. doulas have that opportunity even before the baby is born. Mm -hmm. In the birthing room, a lot of times the birth doulas are the only ones who have developed this long relationship and can understand what to look for or can help their clients in the immediate after the birth of helping them to digest those emotions 
and again, maybe be able to tell this person is having trouble processing their birth experience and they might benefit from being looked after a little bit more carefully by their partner or by their medical provider. Oh, for sure. Sometimes the emotional difficulties don't manifest right away. It may take days or weeks for those things to show up. And the person who might be there and be able to catch it is the postpartum doula. Mm -hmm. So birth and postpartum doulas, you all have a very important role in helping your clients, not just with the physical and physiological part of pregnancy and birth, but also with the emotional part of it. And if you just educate yourselves a little bit, you don't have to go through the extensive training and knowledge if you know just enough to know what to look for. Mm -hmm. I was not aware of that as being part of my role for many, many years. Looking back, I can see clients in my memory that probably would have benefited from me asking different questions. Yes. And I've been doing this for a number of years, even before mm -hmm. I started specializing in trauma. I started offering people the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale mm -hmm. because that screening tool, it, you're not diagnosing them. You're helping them to see that there are things that they can look for. Right. And if you're with them when they fill it out, then you can say, you know, from the looks of things, you might benefit from maybe calling your provider mm -hmm. and explaining to them that you just use this questionnaire and this was your score. And is there a way that they can help you understand what that means? Mm -hmm. If we as doulas raise the awareness that way, then it might improve the mental health of new families across the board. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. As we get ready to celebrate this World Doula Week, I hope that this episode was enlightening to people. World Doula Week, again, focuses on doulas who support during the pregnancy, childbirth, or postpartum period. But we also wanted to give a shout out to those specialized doulas who work in a different aspect of life. And yeah, let's, let's all as birth professionals look to celebrating the work that we do, celebrating mm -hmm. our clients who are informed enough to find us. Yes. <laughs> you and I weren't. Right. <laughs> and then also um, as doulas, let's look to seeing how we can not just enjoy all of the joys of the work we do, but also really help support parents in meaningful ways for their emotional health which can lay the foundation for having a much smoother transition into early parenthood. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. It was so nice, Exie, to catch up with you. And to our listeners, we will see you in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Happy World Doula Week, everybody. Happy World Doula Week. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again on another episode of Doula to Doula. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app.